Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I am Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. Today, gentlemen, we have a very, very interesting topic on vitamin D and why this is important mm. to our body. So how are we going to it's talk crucial. about, we, I think it's very crucial, isn't it? It's one of the biggest topics that, that's going around in terms of health and wellness and everybody talks about it because people are asking, you know, what, where do we get our vitamin Ds from and uh, whether we should wear sunscreen or not to wear sunscreen. It's a big topic. It is yeah, and it's just super important and it's one of those topics that's just been researched so much at the moment and they're just finding so much stuff, like more and more stuff. It seems almost every day something new comes out about just how important this vitamin D is. You know what's interesting, you know, often you hear about the naysayers of many different types of vitamins, but no one has said anything bad about vitamin D. There's nothing to say bad about it. So it's, one, it's, it's so important. Two, it's very, very safe if you need to supplement with it. And three, it's so important. So I know I said that twice, but it is. It's just so important to actually get enough vitamin D that no one can dispute it. And that's what's amazing about all this research. There's never been another vitamin or mineral um, uh, investigated or, or had any research done that's had so much positive backing for the need of it, uh, which is just it's profound because it's it's linked to so many different diseases which we'll go through and disorders that we'll go through uh, in, this, in this chat. All right, so let's talk about what is vitamin D, where do we get it, and why is it so important to us? All right. Well, look, vitamin D is a uh, it's a, a precursor. It's a hormone precursor. Uh, it's not really a vitamin. It's kind of it's it's a it's a nutrient, but it's not really a vitamin. It, it's the reason why it's not a vitamin is because it's it's actually manufactured by the body and synthesized under the skin of the body um, and also in the liver. So it's manufactured in two areas of the body, uh, and it's, it's manufactured uh, through the uh, exposure to the, of the skin to the sun, in particular UVB sunlight, so the the sun's rays that get blocked by sunscreen, it's manufactured by that stuff, and it gets the, the interaction of the sunscreen uh, on the skin causes an increase in melanin, uh, which then causes a chemical reaction with cholesterol and fat in the in the bloodstream to be able to then result in the manufacture of vitamin D, and then the vitamin D um, then races off to the blood through the bloodstream to the liver and gets converted to an active form of vitamin D which is known as vitamin D2. And vitamin D2 you shouldn't supplement with, you should only supplement with vitamin D3 if you're going to do it because we manufacture 3 and it's converted as is needed to vitamin D2. Awesome. And, and Damo, you just actually said then that it was the interaction with the sunscreen on the skin. And of course, it's the sunshine on the skin that was having that interaction. So oh, did I say that? Sunscreen. Great information there, Damo. I just wanted to clarify that just in case anyone was listening going, what? Yeah, what um, so, good stuff, mate. Yeah, no, sorry about that. I think it's because we've been speaking so much about sunscreen. And look, one of the problems that we face these days is mass deficiency and regardless of which country we're in, we're in uh, we, we just find that there's some even there's so much deficiency even in countries uh, that have so much sun there's deficiency states and the deficiency states the extreme deficiency state of vitamin D is rickets of course and there's been a return of rickets only last year I think it was like, I think it was nine people diagnosed with rickets like properly diagnosed with rickets uh, in New Zealand. And you kind of go, how the heck do we get rickets in this day and age? And a lot of it actually comes down to the slip, slop, slap campaigns that have been prevalent since the early 80s, certainly in Australia and New Zealand, and I'm not sure about other countries in the world, but where there's been so much 
um, mindfulness around the sun, but more about the sun's damaging effects rather than the sun's beneficial effects. And so, because everyone thought that the sun caused skin cancer, which we know to be true, uh, to be not true, to be false. It's falsely um, promoted as being that bad for you. It, it, we've actually gone around, put hats on, we've put skin cancer cream on our body, and we've put clothes all over our body in an attempt to try and avoid getting skin cancer. But as we'll find out today, some of the sunscreens or the skin cancer creams that we actually use actually do are linked to skin cancer. So it's important to put it all in perspective. But part of the reason is because we've gone on this anti-sun march, I suppose. Yeah, and it's not just about what we do when we're out in the sun, of course, as well. It's the fact that our modern lives, we spend so much time indoors now. That's right. You know, so many people now have a job where they're literally inside all day, every day, and then they walk out the door from their job, they jump into their car, they drive straight home, and they're at home on the TV, on the computer, whatever it is. They're just literally spending the whole day inside and not actually getting exposed to the sunlight at all. all. So that's a really important point as well. Yeah, I think another thing too that we may not think about is also that people have we're moving from different countries. You know, I'm from originally from Canada, but my background is actually Chinese. So all, all these people from from different areas of the world are moving into different countries, and our skin colors are based on um, – our original skin color is actually based on the um, UV factor of how the world is exposed in terms of sunlight and UV fact, uh, UVAs or UVB rays. And so some people obviously have darker skin, some people have lighter skins, but we're moving across the world because we, you know, we're intercontinental and uh, interstates. And what happens is that certain people in certain cultures moving into a different country are getting, like, for example, darker skin people in the northern hemisphere are more exposure to have um, vitamin D deficiencies because their skin is meant to block um, UV uh, UV rays, and therefore they're in, in the exposure where they're actually getting less UVB rays is actually more um, problematic for those people in the northern, and even in the southern hemisphere for darker skin people, and they're finding yeah. a huge problem for that. Massive problems, and it's a great it's a great point because the darker skinned people need to spend more time in the sunlight, but then they have a, a bigger risk of um, of burning, and then the subsequent problems associated with burning. It's not the sun that causes the skin cancer; it's the burn that causes the skin cancer. Mm-hmm. But one of the more interesting facts to to note is that a deficiency in vitamin D increases your risk of developing melanoma. And so, in other words, you need to be in the sun to protect yourself against melanoma. Otherwise, you can't manufacture enough vitamin D, and then, and then you know, to to make things, I suppose, more confusing. Um, often, we go out in the sun at the wrong time of the day. You actually have to be in the sun between the hours of ten and three to be able to manufacture vitamin D, and that's that's you know only in certain times of the year, and provided you live above various latitudes um, within the world. So we know that if you live above the 35th parallel or below the 31st uh, 30 below the 35th parallel uh, then your exposure to the right amount of UVB radiation sun sun radiation um, in the winter time is impossible to be able to ma- manufacture enough vitamin D to to prevent deficiency which is a huge problem and I think just to put that in perspective from a geography perspective Brett you might correct me I think that's sort of north of Atlanta Georgia in the in, nor- in the northern North America and I think it's south of Sydney around that area. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. Sydney, yeah. That sounds about right to me. And and it's it's all to do with basically the um the environment. You it's it's to do with the ability of that sun to pierce through um to pierce through our air basically. And so the the bigger that angle is, then the less of those beneficial rays are actually going to get through the atmosphere and get to your body. So so that's why, you know, being up high or down low in terms of the the earth yep. is 
you're not getting those rays actually breaking through that atmosphere. That's the ozone, trying to clear through the ozone. Yeah, and that's one of the things, I know this is, might not be interesting to most people, but that's why like for people like in Scotland, for example, and the Irish are very, very fair skin, is because their ancestries have to be from very light to allow them to absorb as much UVB rays as possible because they didn't get much. Yeah. In the, because they're north of that hemisphere, yeah. especially during the winter time, so that's one of the reasons. But when they move to a country with high UVB rates, they're going to obviously create a lot of burn. So that's where we have to kind of figure out what to do and find that balance to get enough adequate vitamin D without burning. Yeah, that's right. Well, the suggestion by Doctor or Professor Hollick, and, and many people around the world will actually know what um, Professor Michael Hollick's all about. He's he's a um, dermatologist. He's uh, been. You know, he's a professor of medicine. He looks after the uh, General Clinical Research Centre. Um, I think it's at the Boston University. And he's, you know, he was actually, I think he might have been booted out of a hospital because of his uh, his opinion on the sun. But, um, and there's, there's so much opinion that, around it that actually, you know, pushes him out. Uh, but uh, he actually talks about... I think I actually lost where I'm going. <laughs> he actually, actually talks about the various diseases that could actually occur, uh, and it, he's mapped out in different regions of of the of the of the globe rates of cancer, or certainly skin cancer, that are more prevalent because of ozone issues or skin colour issues. And Australia is one of those countries that gets more skin cancer than any other place in the world. In fact, we have four times the amount of skin cancer rates as, say, somewhere like the UK or the US or Canada. And it's somewhat to do with our ozone deficiency, um, but it's also a lot to do with our lifestyle and that um, quite often we go from extremes of not a lot of sun at all to then extremes of heaps of sun. Yeah, and that's a really po good point as well, Damo, is that, you know, your bodies are pretty clever. So when you do expose yourself to the sun, your body changes. Your skin actually darkens up so that, that you're better able to deal with that sun in the future. So, you know, if we if what we do is we sit inside all winter, we don't get any sunlight at all, we don't go out during the day, we don't go out during the afternoon, and then all of a sudden it hits summer and we go, awesome, I'm heading to the beach and spend a whole day basking in the sun. Well, the skin's just not designed to deal with that and you're going to burn very quickly. So what you need to do is you need to actually slowly build up that exposure to the sun, um, right. which will actually allow you to be exposed to a lot more sun without burning, but you have to do it gradually. You have to build up that exposure because that's really important. Yeah, and and Michael actually suggests that if you burn after five minutes, then you need to, you know, get out of the sun. He's, he says that you should actually get your skin to just be a little bit pink, but don't ever get it to the point that it's actually going to be burning. So, um, you know, that's that's important. He also says that you should cover up your face and just expose the rest of your body. But um, and I think that's more of an aging thing. Um, but he says the amount of skin that's actually on your face is kind of negligible compared to the amount of skin that's on other parts of your body that you can expose to then go and manufacture vitamin D. But keep in mind that vitamin D manufacture through the skin is just one way in which we can actually get vitamin D. There's other ways in which we get vitamin D and vitamin D is you know, available through the gut and through digestion. So if we're eating fish that's oily, like for example, cod liver oil or cod liver, we, we can get access to some vitamin D. But you know, let's face it, as a kid, not many people have enjoyed taking vitamin D or cod liver oil. <laughs> Who would <laughs> that? My grandma was a big one for cod liver oil when I was little. I used to love it. 
No, no. no. <laughs> I was going to say you're one strange dude. Really? <laughs> uh, look, I loved it. I used to go back for seconds, and maybe that's the reason why I ended up studying to be a naturopath because we don't mind bad bad flavors. But um, I used to love going back for a bit of extra high pole. I thought it was fantastic. But what we've found out in recent years is that when you supplement with cod liver oil, or when you have lots of cod liver, the the high amounts of vitamin A that are also found in cod liver, which by the way is very very good for the immune system, very very good for the skin, actually to some extent displaces vitamin D and so the two hormones I suppose compete against each other for the utilization within the body so vitamin A and vitamin D ideally shouldn't be taken together yeah so it's probably worthwhile here going through we've sort of touched a little bit on all of the different things that can be linked to vitamin D deficiency but it's probably worth going through those in a little bit more detail so we've spoken about rickets in terms of the bone health um, but there's also a link with uh, with vitamin D with osteomalacia which yeah. is uh, which is obviously something you want to be steering away from um, we spoke about the cancers and, and obviously the skin cancer is one that, that is talked about a lot uh, but vitamin D deficiency is also been linked to a few other forms of cancer as well so we talked about breast cancer, prostate cancer, even colon cancer being linked to vitamin D deficiency too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. and a whole range of other diseases right throughout the body. So um, vitamin D is really important in terms of your brain function. Uh, so we started to talk about things like fatigue, depression, um, something they call seasonal affective disorder, which is essentially people who are away from the sun in winter in areas that just don't get a lot of sun in winter and probably when they do get sun, they're indoors working. Mm. Um you know, even things like diabetes, which just seems like that seems kind of odd that that would be linked in with vitamin D deficiency. But diabetes, heart health, arthritis, um, autoimmune disorders, Epsi, um, mental inf- health, yeah, infertility, PMS, obesity. You know, a whole range of different things being linked in with vitamin D. It's it's just huge. But what's fascinating is that and I only touched on it before was that we can get access to vitamin D through our diet, but we might get access to it through our diet, but we may have malabsorption issues. And so there's a lot of people that have, you know, runny bowels, um, irritable bowel syndrome, for example, and it's because of a malabsorption profile. So it could be fructose or lactose that that creates a mucous membrane um, excitation, which causes more mucus to be secreted in the gut, which then results in poor absorption of the nutrients that you require. And often people with vitamin D deficiency have also got vitamin, uh, sorry, iron deficiency, and that's a key indicator or a clear indicator of a malabsorption profile. For example, um, uh, um, celiac disease, as well as fructose malabsorption and lactose malabsorption, these are becoming more and more prevalent, more and more common, uh, and being missed, but were resulting in massive vitamin deficiencies, which are disastrous for the bones and disastrous for preventing certain types of cancer. So, you know, and even things like um, uh, multiple sclerosis and other types of infectious diseases, it's crucial to make sure you've got enough of these nutrients to avoid that. But those malabsorption profiles actually can cause those deficiency states. There's also, um, on top of um, people with malabsorption problems, there's also uh, people with obesity who are obese uh, that have, actually have a problem as well because they, you know, obviously you mentioned that we synthesize vitamin D from our skin and also ingest it. But what happens is that they yeah. get deposited in the body fat and so make yeah, it less bioavailable to the people with, you know, obviously with large... Um, stores of body fat but i came across a study when we were researching this and i thought it was interesting but i you know i just read it for the first time i never um came across this before but breastfed babies c- could be a risk factor for vitamin d deficiency have you heard that demo 
Breastfed babies. Yeah, they were just saying that how human milk generally only provides about 25 international units of vitamin D. Uh, I came across with a, a client of mine just recently um, who was breast, exclusively breastfed as well, and they were vitamin D deficient. Um, so, you know, the study I was reading, just, I can't remember the study at the moment, but I can post it up later on, was saying that um, they were recommending that uh, obviously to add vitamin D into the diets because of um, breastfed being not being able to, human milk not being able to generate as much breast breast. Uh, Human milk not being able to generate enough vitamin D for the, the babies, but that was just something I just came across, so I wasn't sure if you heard that before. It's pretty interesting, on Lawrence. But what I'd like to know is who were the parents who were doing those studies, yeah. because you know we know so much of our population are vitamin D deficient. It wouldn't surprise me then if the parents who were being used in that study were also vitamin D deficient. Yeah, and that's where I, um, I came across it. And I thought it was interesting to kind of you know bring it up because I've never come across that before. So. Well, that'd be, that, I mean, that's the, that'll be the case, mate, across the board for all nutrients. And so I'd suggest that um, breastfed children could, in fact, be deficient in many things if the mother isn't actually taking the right sort of nutrition into her diet. So if her diet's poor and she's not getting exposure to the sun and she's drinking coffee or not drinking enough water and, and you know, her lifestyle is not ideal for the growth of a human being, then you'd expect that there'd be a flow-on effect of being deficient yourself. Um on, on your child. And a side note on that, I guess we talked about, you know, a couple of episode ago, episodes ago, we talked about breastfeeding and how important that is, but I think we also got to state that the mother has to be, you know, nutrition healthy, healthy <laughs> to, to breastfeed to actually get the right nutrient to, to the child as well. So it's great. Yeah, but healthy doesn't mean fat. Just let's keep that in mind because a lot of people actually put on weight and go, well, I've got to, I'm, I'm feeding, I'm eating for two. Yeah. That's that's not the case. <laughs> you know, you will put on a little bit of puppy fat while you're while you're pregnant, but shouldn't be very much. And you know, the recommendation. Oh, actually, I won't get into that because that might be a little bit controversial for this. But we actually, we'll go into the recommendation for putting on weight in pregnancy when we interview um, Dr. Jen uh, Baron Floriani. We'll go into that. And but uh, but today, let's just say that if you get too fat when you're pregnant, um, then it's likely you, get, you you might actually increase your risk of diabetes in your child. Mm. So you, you don't be putting on weight. That's that's something you don't do. And the other thing is that Lawrence, when you mentioned before that when you're obese, you store the vitamin D in your yeah. fat tissue. It's known that you need somewhere between six and eight times more vitamin D if you are obese wow. than if you're of normal weight. It's that, and that's a lot yeah. because that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, the average adult, male or female, requires somewhere between two and four thousand international units of vitamin D per day. Like that's quite a lot. And um, and in order to get that, you most of us have got to spend at least fifteen to twenty minutes in the sun uh, per day between ten and three, uh, or we've got to supplement with it. And if you're overweight, you're now going to be taking something like twelve to sixteen thousand international units of vitamin D each day, just in order to get it to be functional in your body. And speaking of fat, Damo, I know you were pretty keen to talk a little bit about cholesterol and the importance of cholesterol for vitamin D as well. Yeah, look, it's uh, cholesterol is involved in all hormone production within the body. So if you don't have enough cholesterol, you don't make enough hormones. And one of the hormones that you make from um, from cholesterol in the bloodstream is serotonin, and that's that's your happy drug. And then you've got your sleep drug, melatonin, which is actually made by cholesterol, and so is progesterone and testosterone and estrogen. If you don't have enough. Uh, cholesterol in your bloodstream, you don't manufacture these hormones. The same goes for vitamin D. If you don't have enough cholesterol in your bloodstream and enough fat in your diet, you, you one, you won't absorb your vitamin D from your diet if there's no fat in your diet. And number two, if there's not cholesterol in your bloodstream, then you're not going to manufacture enough vitamin D um, because you need the cholesterol to interact with the sunlight and the melanin, or the, yeah, the melanin to be able to 
to manufacture this stuff. So don't go on cholesterol-lowering drugs expecting that it's going to keep you healthy. It's going to lower your cholesterol, but there's going to be side effects to it. Mm. You wonder why, if that's the reason why there's so many side effects of these yeah. uh, Lipitor drugs and these you know, cholesterol-lowering drugs. Like the muscle ache and the increased risk of heart attack mm. and all Depression that sort of stuff. Depression and things like that, yeah. Depression. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all correlated yeah. to all these vitamin D stuff. It does. Yeah. It's huge, isn't it? And because so many people, I mean, you guys be the same as me. You sit there taking histories on new people coming into your practice all the time. And, you know, so many people are on these cholesterol-lowering medications. It's just massive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, Tim, I just want to go back to a little bit to what you said about, you mentioned that adults need to get 4,000 to 5,000 international units um, per, per, um, as a daily. Is that a daily recommendation? Yep. Yeah. Is that a lot yeah. more than what, you know, the standard uh, recommendation that's actually produced for vitamin D because I think you mentioned that before because you know what's actually out there yeah the standard the standard recommendation for vitamin D I think is about 600 international units actually up until about 12 or 15 months ago it was about that but I think now the RDA in Australia is which is ridiculous I mean you know who whose body is exactly the same LT you're of a bit smaller build than what I am, and Brett's massive. So there's, um, <laughs> the, you know, we all have different bodies, and so and I, it, it's not consistent across the board. So what we do know is that a blood level of vitamin D of 250,000 international units is not toxic to the human being. So you know, in suggesting that maybe everybody on the planet takes at least a thousand international units every single day, we're actually very, very safe in doing that. I usually have most of my practice members taking around about four to six thousand international units per day because I like to bring their levels up to a you know a very, very safe high level because I, there's no toxicity associated with vitamin D. So I'd rather them be really high than really low. And if you top up your vitamin D levels for summer, then you're well prepared for winter because inadvertently, ninety, I think. It's, my, my, I won't say 90, let's just say 80. I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's somewhere between 80 and 90% of the world population will be vitamin D deficient coming out of winter. Wow, that's massive, isn't that's it? Huge. It's huge. So, Damo, you spoke a little bit about toxic to the human being there. I think it's important for us to move on and start talking a little bit about sunscreen because um, obviously we've spoken Speaking a little toxicity. bit. Yeah, exactly. We've spoken a little bit about how sunscreen can actually stop people from absorbing vitamin uh, or from creating vitamin D, and that's really important yeah. um, because it stops them from getting those rays in that help the body create it. But it's also important for people to start thinking about what's actually in the sunscreen yeah. uh, because for so many of these sunscreens, they just have a, you know, all you need to do is turn it over and actually have a look at the list of ingredients. <laughs> what you're going to see is a whole bunch of words that you've never, ever oh, seen before. Um, a whole bunch of words that look like they've just come straight out of your, you know, your year 12 chemistry textbook that I used to just kind of stare at and glaze <laughs> over. And, um, and, and, you know, these things are just these man-made chemicals which are just terrible for your body. And, you know, one of the first things people say to me is, oh, yeah, but I'm just putting it on my skin, right? And I say to them, well, tell me how a nicotine patch works. <laughs> they go, well, you put it on your skin, it kind of soaks you in, it goes into your bloodstream. I'm like, right. They say, what do you think happens to your sunscreen or your beauty products or whatever I'm talking about at the time? But, but this stuff seeps in through your skin really efficiently, yeah. gets into your bloodstream and gets, you know, has effects right throughout your whole body. Huge effects. Huge effects. And look, the, your liver's left to clean up all that mess and mop it up and get rid of it. And many people... Uh, and I'm finding this out through doing the, the nutrigenomic testing. Maybe we've been speaking about that along the way. Um, in testing people's genetic uh, potential, many people actually lack the enzymes to be able to clear these chemicals safely from their body, which in actual fact could be pushing up their risk of various types of cancers. So, 
and we do know, and in fact, I, I wish I could find the study for this call right now, but there's a study that actually suggested that some of the chemicals, for example, titanium dioxide, uh, that you find in sunscreen will actually increase the risk of melanoma. What, how does that happen? You know, <laughs> yeah. you're taking, you're putting on your skin something to block the rays from the sun so that you decrease your risk of melanoma, but in actual fact, you're increasing your risk of melanoma. And what blows my mind is that even though this research is out there, it's still being used today. And it, it just, I just don't understand. It should be that we practice such conservative healthcare that anything that shows significant risk, we should just be taking out. We shouldn't be waiting for a double-blind placebo-controlled study to prove that something causes cancer. It should be that if it's a possibility, it should just be flagged as being especially a chemical, you know, let's get that stuff Yeah, and look, we've made that mistake so many times already, haven't we? You know, we look at things like asbestos, we look at, you know, the, how many times in our history have we done this with chemicals where there's been doubts about it and we've said, oh, well, let's wait until we've got, you know, the full information, you know, wait till we're absolutely 100% certain because, you know, we often because we're worried about the, you know, the impact on the economy or whatever it happens to be yeah. and then we find out, you know, we, don't, we find out 10 years, 20 years later when we finally have the facts and we go, gee, don't we wish we'd done something about that sooner? Yeah. yeah. It's just crazy. Or like HRT, remember that? <laughs> yeah. 15 years ago, hormone replacement therapy was the thing. You know, if you're a woman, you better get on that stuff because that'll save you. But, yeah. um, you know, they did a, a Scandinavian study, you know, measuring the effects of hormone replacement therapy on over 20,000 women showed that women were at increased risk of developing two different cancers, that's breast cancer and cervical cancer, as well as increased their risk of heart disease and osteoporosis by being on HRT. Now, HRT was given to women going through menopause, but it's given to women from the, from the age of 13 to regulate their menstrual cycle in, in the form of the pill. So we've got women and girls on the pill, which is hormone replacement therapy, from a very, very young age, essentially, really, for a large population uh, subset, increasing the risk of breast cancer, cerebral cancer, and, um, and you know, bone loss. It's, it's just it's terrible. It's a terrible state. I'll tell you what, an even more graphic example of that, Damo, I can remember a chiropractor talking at a seminar about how his father had actually taken up smoking because his doctor told him he was good for his lungs. <laughs> he was having some, having some issues with his, you know, I think it was asthma or something along those lines, and his doctor said, look, you know, you've got to take up smoking. So he did. He took up smoking with a vengeance and, uh, and you know, ended up... I believe end up dying from some sort of cancer from it, but you know, the, the, just the idea that someone would take up smoking because they thought it was good for them, and you yeah. know, for all that time, we knew the chemicals in there. So you know, I know we're getting off topic here, but but certainly, we want to be really careful of these chemicals in our sunscreen. And I know you two boys have both spoke about one earlier that that you guys use that is actually something that you can use if you are going to be out in huge amounts of sun, um, and you do want to have that little bit of protection, but without having these nasty chemicals inside. Yeah, let's yeah. go on to yeah. Let's let's kind of tell people what we would do um, if we are going to go into the sun. I think um, Michael Hollick, which Damo has mentioned uh, before, he t you know the study talked about how SPS factor of eight reduces the production of vitamin D by ninety five percent. That's just which is huge. So you know it, yeah. you know what the recommendation is. Obviously, I think you mentioned already that you want to spend about five ten minutes a day of sun exposure of arms and legs or face and arms, so three times weekly. I think between eleven and two. No, um, during, no, no, fifteen to twenty 15 minutes. To 20 minutes okay. Yeah. And that's during yeah. spring, summer, and fall, right? So the main thing here, though, is well, if you are going to go out, because you know, for us who live in Australia, for example, are exposed to you know massive uh, sun. The sun here is intense. When I first moved here, it was really intense compared to Canada, because of that huge ozone hole that sits on top of Australia. And uh, so we, you know, 
for the protection of if you're going to be out there on the beach for I know if I'm going to go out there for more than two hours and I, obviously you wear your hat and stuff but if I'm going to protect uh, use a sunscreen I'm going to use a sunscreen I particularly use a brand called Soleil um, which has no harmful chemicals to it and I think it's a zinc based um, um, Zinc oxide, yeah, zinc oxide uh, um, sunscreen, and it basically is very thick, but uh, it works really well for me. And you had one that you used. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I, I might jump in while Dave. I just has a little coughing fit there. Look, look, I actually don't use any sunscreen. I haven't used any for a very long time, um, and I, I do spend a lot of time outdoors. Obviously, you know, we spoke a little earlier about me training for my ultra marathon, or you know, I play cricket, um, or even if I go to the beach. But but what I do is I just do the the slip slop. So, um, you know, I make sure I've got the, the long sleeve shirt on or if I'm at the beach, I've got the long sleeve rashi on. I make sure I've got a hat. I really, you know, cover myself up pretty well and then just make sure I get that 15 to 20 minutes where I strip off and, you know, go to the beach, go for a swim, whatever, um, so that I am still getting that, that nice amount of sun as well without overdoing it. Yeah, I think that's the key so, thing uh, here, right, is that you're covering up and to protect yourself, for, to, prevent, to, prevent, uh, to prevent burning, <laughs> yeah, I'm almost coughing. Yeah. I should have a coughing fit um, <laughs> to prevent burning, but also making sure that you're still allowing sun exposure during the other times to make sure you're still getting that vitamin D. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's right. right. I recommend to my patients that they get outside naked for 15 to 20 minutes every single day, and, uh, and that, without you getting know, arrested. <laughs> well, actually, say that if it's raining. I used to say this, right? I used to say, get outside naked for fifteen to twenty minutes a day, and just you know, lie in the sun or walk around or do your gardening, you know, just as a bit of a joke, just to kind of. But some people took me seriously. But you know, kind of a, a joke to reinforce the need to actually get out there, you know, because you, you, if you don't get out there enough, you're in a bit of trouble. So, I wanted to get a lot of sun exposure, but I'll cut in and. And then I used to actually say, if it's raining, stand in the in the window um, with your arms <laughs> spread naked, in, you know, and let the sun hit you, unless it's the front room. But I used to uh, I used to say that, but it's actually not the case because glass actually filters out UVB rays, and so as a result, if you're actually behind glass, you actually won't manufacture vitamin D either. So all you're doing is so exposing just yourself. <laughs> Just before we finish up here, Damo, I just want to know how you know that they took it seriously. <laughs> I, I, went, I, was, I spied on them. <laughs> they enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. The other thing was, uh, I just before we finish up, the other sunscreen that I use, and it's not for brain placement at all, because obviously LT mentioned the Salil stuff. I, I The stuff I use is Whatnot. I think it's really nice as well, and I, I actually stock that in my practice. So I think it's good. Yeah, not that we're promoting a brand if we don't get any paid for it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, we're, getting, we're not promoting. There's nothing being promoted. These are just two that you can be. Yeah, aware. I just want to. Yeah, I think it's important because people are going to go. Well, what what sunscreen should I use? And I think you know, just giving those two brands, I think uh, these people will be able to find them in the stores. Um, so now that we know that um, Damo is going to be naked outside, the girls will be flocking to his house and uh, <laughs> watching him cut the line. They'll be, they'll be in Western Australia. Like, they'll be going. <laughs> as far west as they can yeah. well listen that was a great episode on vitamin D and sunscreen I'm sure there's going to be a lot of you know there's so much information there and jam packed and I'm sure you're going to have lots of questions so feel free to go on the website www.thewellnessguys.com leave your comment below this episode and tell us what you think and uh, leave us you know like us on Facebook of course so follow us on Twitter sign up for notice of each episode and download us on iTunes until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the Wellness Guys show.